Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States of America. Tim Ryan in Ohio said he doesn't want you there. Warnock said wouldn't say. Do you think they're making a mistake? No, they're by 16 there. I've already gone in for yet and a lot more last. Another 20 or so. So I'm gonna be going in. This has been the President of the United States of America. May God have mercy on our souls. Stu does America. BlazeTV.com slash Stu is the place to go to subscribe to Blaze TV. We've got the election coverage coming up. You're not going to want to miss that on election night. If you're watching on YouTube right now, like this video. Just do it. Doug Gowdy is going to be here with us in a little bit to talk about a bunch of these governor races and especially what's going on in New York. Is there something weird happening in New York? We'll get into that. Biden's polling continues to nosedive, but we start by doing election 22. Rise of the red. Dun, dun, dun. You're like, wait a minute, didn't the red already rise? Isn't that why we have all these problems? No, not the communist red, like the red state. Republicans are having uh, a pretty good stretch here as we're looking at the polls and everything that's going on on the ground. We've talked about this from the beginning. Months ago, the media was telling you there's this big left wing momentum there. Oh, the Dobbs decision has set the left on fire. They're going to turn this around and we're not going to have a normal midterm. No, no, this is going to be a big win for the Democrats. I never bought into that. There was never really much evidence uh, to support it in the first place. It seemed like it was more like wish casting from the left. So we're going to stop and look at what's actually going on. The sort of marquee area we're going to focus on today is the Senate. We're going to get more into governor's races and House races as we go forward. But let's go with the Senate and give you an update where we are. If this is your first time tuning in to one of these little chalkboard updates, we've done a few of them. And we kind of uh, let me set the stage for you, I guess. The House has elections every two years and everyone's up for a re-election every two years. So really, the House winds up coming down to the mood of the country. What is the vibe of the country? And that's why you're seeing if you look at any of these experts, they're all saying it's a 70 or 80 percent chance Republicans will hold the House. But they're much less or excuse me, take over the House. They're much less optimistic for Republicans on the Senate, though. Most most places will show you that the Democrats are favored in the Senate. Why is that? Well, it's sort of uh, the issue of the playing field. The playing field starts with an advantage for Democrats this time. This reverses. This isn't something like some, you know, election scam. It's just the amount of the certain states that have fallen on this year's election. Next election in 2024, the map that is going to favor the Republicans. This time it favors the Democrats. And it starts like this. We start with how many seats are not even up for election. Remember, these are six year terms, so they're not up every single time. How many are not even up? If Absolutely no elections took place at all. We would start with a 36 Democrat uh, senators that are in office. And over on the Republican side, we would start with only 29. And this is why the Senate is a little difficult for uh, Republicans this time around. 36-29 is a bit of a hole to dig yourself out of. So can Republicans do that? Let's go to the specifics here. And we'll start with the likely Democratic column. A lot of these states are not going to be all that competitive. We know how this works. All these elections really are fought in a few swing states every single time, but they are very interesting. Let's start, though, with sort of the ones that we expect to go to the Democrats. We start with California. No surprise there. Hawaii as well. Again, not going to shock you. Uh, Illinois. 
not really that mid that weird Midwestern state that is you know owned by the left, where all the states around it are changing. Illinois still seems to be holding on to that Democratic mold. Maryland as well. We expect to go to the Democrats. New York with Chuck Chuckles Schumer. Oregon as well, and Vermont as well. Now, Vermont is uh, no, no surprise, one of the most liberal states in the union. What's interesting there is you've got now Bernie Sanders there, and now you've got the guy who replaced Bernie Sanders in the House now rising up to probably take this Senate seat in uh, Vermont. Again, not going to be a lot of Republican votes coming out of Vermont anytime soon. Let's go over to the, uh, oh, that, by the way, that gives you a number of seven, seven likely Democrats. As you can see, that gets them to 43. Now let's go over to the Republican side. Republicans have a bunch of states as well that they are heavily favored in. And we will start with Alabama. Should be no problem. This is not uh, the Doug, uh, what was it, Doug Jones? Was that his name? I can't even remember. He was such a flash in the pan. He's going to be gone and uh, he's not, uh, not going to be there. This is not, this is a very red state. Arkansas, as well, we'll stick with the Republicans. Idaho, no problems there. Indiana, you know, Indiana, people forget uh, Barack Obama won Indiana once. In 2008, Barack Obama won Indiana. Not really a purple state, though, anymore. This is a, uh, a now a red state. Kansas, as well, should be no problems. Kentucky, that's Rand Paul. He should have no problems holding on to that seat. Louisiana. Uh, South Carolina. Tim Scott, uh, going to have no problems. South Dakota. Easy peasy. North Dakota as well. All the Dakotas. Every single Dakota. We, we now can project to go to the Republicans. Also, both Oklahomas. You might say, wait a minute, Stu. Oklahoma is only one state. They do have two senators. So they have the normal Senate election and then they have the Oklahoma special election. Uh, both of those, though, we expect to be handily won by um, Republicans. Uh, let's get to our first move of this, because all these have been kind of the way we've had them up here on every board and uh, every previous board. We're going to move one this time. This is going to be moving from the lean Republican into the likely category for Republicans. And that is Eric Schmidt in Missouri. Now, we have not seen a poll in quite some time that has Eric Schmidt up by any less than double digits. This looks like a very solid seat now for Republicans. We expect Eric Schmidt to win pretty handily there. There was a, um, a sort of a back and forth during the primary as to who would win. And, you know, in my view, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Schmidt guy. I, I think he's going to do a good job in the Senate. And I'm excited that he won. And we're happy to say, hey, looks like he, that is going to be a likely seat now for uh, for Republicans. So one less leaner. But this gets us to, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 13 likely Republicans. And you can see how quickly this, this tightens up, right? There's so many more likely seats for Republicans. Gets us to 36 plus seven for the Democrats, 43. 29 plus 13 for the Republicans. We're at 42 already. Now let's go to the leaners. Now leaners, just to give you a quick definition, we're thinking at this point, if you think about leaners as, one side is actually favored in this race. This is not a pure toss-up. We have another column for that. But this is one that, you know, you, if you had to bet your life on it right now, you might uh, pick this particular side. These races might change, but are right now leaning towards the Democrats. And we start there with Colorado. Now, Colorado is an interesting race. Um, Bennett is vulnerable there. This is, while a bluish state, it's a bluish purple. Uh, one controversial part is his uh, his opponent was somewhat, I mean, slightly critical of Donald Trump recently. And then Donald Trump came out and blasted him on social media for it. So, you know, there 
there is this thing that happened when Trump kind of came on board back in you know 2016 ish, where a lot of people I think uh, had the argument, and it's a certainly a rational argument that if you don't like Donald Trump, just get in line because even if he says stuff you don't like, he's the much better of the two options, and you know connected with a lot of people. Although a lot of those same people who made that argument back in 2016 are not making that argument for people uh, like the Republican in Colorado Day. And, you know, again, he's the option here. You either got a Democrat or you got him. So flaming the Republican in this race is not going to help for control of the Senate. We'll see. I mean, look, Donald Trump has his way of doing things. And I know, uh, you know, it's he's very, very rich. It's gotten him very, very far in life. So maybe uh, he's doing the right thing here. But. We'll see what happens in the election. Washington is next up. Washington is Tiffany Smiley is the Republican there going up against Patty Murray. And, you know, this is a race that was not thought to really have any chance for Republicans to win as we went into this. But Tiffany Smiley is a really uh, promising candidate. She's one that is, the GOP is very high on. They see her as sort of a rising star. If she could win this race, it would be a big, big, big deal. We had her on radio, by the way, the other day, if you want to go back and listen uh, to that one. Both of these races, you see most of the polling in the mid to high single digits. So this is not like a toss up, it's, but it's within range if you get that wave election. Yet that wave election, one of these seats may very well fall. Next up is New Hampshire. Now, New Hampshire is, a, it's tightened quite a bit. It was a 13, 14 point race right after the primary. Don Bolduck is there going up against Maggie Hassan. And that race was in the low double digits at the beginning. It is, it is tightened significantly. Now, it's about six or seven points still. It's not exactly on the fringe of going into the toss-up category, although we have seen polls that have shown it a little bit closer. So this one might be inching toward the toss-up. We're not ready to put it in there now. This is another move that I have here, and this one's actually shocking to me. Um, and I, I don't know that this is a this. I would say it's less likely than any of these three states. But when I, you start putting states like this and you start moving them from likely to lean, you can tell the momentum of this race is really changing and moving toward Republican. We're going to put Connecticut. That's uh, Richard Blumenthal. Now, Richard Blumenthal is an absolutely terrible, terrible senator in every single way. He shouldn't get anybody to vote for. Him. I mean, he should have zero percent. But it's Connecticut. That's where I grew up. And they are going to vote for the Democrat on almost every single case. However, recent polling shows Blumenthal only up by five in Connecticut. Now, look, it's a poll. Uh, there's been a couple that have shown it in single digits. We are now looking at this as a race that is tightening. I think, you know, Blumenthal's a particularly weak candidate. He's not not engaging. He's honestly, he looks like he's having some, like he's in another world when he's talking to you. He's just, his eyes seem like, it's almost a Fetterman vibe, but it's a little bit different. Um, people don't really like him that much. He's not a, one of those candidates that's endearing to people. He's a weak Democrat in a very, very blue state. In that same poll, Ned Lamont, the governor of, Color, uh, of Connecticut, who's also terrible, was only up seven points. So we're seeing a real tightening of these races. And the fact that we're moving Connecticut to a lean, I... I would not have told you that coming into this race that that would occur. Okay, now let's go over. Oh, by the way, that is uh, how many do we have here? That is four. Four Democrats. You're up to 47 now. Let's go over to the Republican side. Got some leaners there as well. Couple races that we're going to put out here. This one's not really a pure leaner. We've explained this a couple times, but just to go through it quickly, Alaska. Alaska is a state where they are doing the new um, ranked choice voting where four candidates will be going up against each other. 
And if whoever is in, if no one gets 50%, whoever's in last place, their votes will be eliminated and reassigned to their second choices. And it'll keep going until you get someone who does have 50% of the vote. Most people on the right, I would say, don't like ranked choice voting. I don't mind it so much. I think it's, I think it's an interesting system. I'd like to be able to say, hey, uh, let me tell you who my second choice is. And I can put the socialists at the very bottom. But that being said, the only two candidates that have a chance to win this race are both Republicans. One is the sort of moderate Lisa Murkowski, been there forever, uh, going up against uh, a Trump appointed or Trump um, endorsed uh, uh, member of uh, potential member of the Senate. The the issue here is uh, honestly like we know we're going to get a Republican in the seat, but it's really hard to understand who's going to win. You've got Alaska, which is terrible to poll. It's the the most difficult state really to get reliable polling. Plus, you're trying a new system of voting here for the first time in a big race like this. So God only knows what's going to happen. In my mind, I I think this might disappoint many, but I will believe Lisa Murkowski loses a race in Alaska the second I see it. I can't, not a second earlier will I believe that. She won a write-in race in 2010. She ran as an independent write-in candidate and won. If you can do that, you might be able to pull anything off. So we'll see. But Murkowski, I would say, is the favorite there, but it's going to stay in Republicans' hands. Utah is the other kind of weird one here, as we have, again, no Democrat in that race by name. Evan McMullen is running, and he, look, he's going to be, he's going to owe his entire political life to liberal donors and Chuck Schumer. So if you think you're getting anything other than that in Utah, you're going to uh, you're going to be very uh, you're going to be disappointed. Uh, that's why Mike Lee should win this race. I still consider him the significant favorite. But again, this is a weird playing field. We're, this is a new trick by Democrats. They're trying something new to try to trick people in Utah to vote for an independent who claims he's sort of Republican leaning, even though. You know, there was a time that maybe that was supportive in his record. It's been a long time since that occurred. He voted for Joe Biden. So, I mean, how many conservatives, you know, did that? Uh, So you got that going on. Then you got Florida. Now, Florida, I am almost tempted to move Florida over to likely. Marco Rubio is there. He his polling has been relatively disappointing. And I think that's because of the strength of his challenger, Val Demings, who was on the shortlist for Joe Biden's vice presidential run he has not run away with this race, as you've seen in some ways uh, with Ron DeSantis. DeSantis should easily pull him over the finish line. I am not worried about the Florida seat with Marco Rubio. Uh, Wisconsin. We are moving Wisconsin over to the leaning category. I believe that's the is that the first time we've had that over there. Or the second. I can't remember. Uh, that's Ron Johnson uh, going up against Mandela Barnes. Go back and watch the show. Stu does Mandela Barnes. If you want to see who uh, that guy really is, uh, not 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 a good candidate, a radical candidate in, in so many ways. We also have Ohio over here as well. I think I think we've moved that as well for the first time. That is uh, J.D. Vance. And going up against Tim Ryan, Vance has shown a pretty consistent lead now. And with the fundamentals of Utah, with the fact that pollsters have missed in Utah the same way routinely over, excuse me, uh, Ohio, routinely over the past few elections, we now have Ohio as a lean Republican state. Another one we're moving for the first time out of toss-up. This has been one of the most pure toss-up races in the entire country until the last couple of weeks. And we are now putting North Carolina... Ted Budd moving over to the lean Republican category. This would be a big deal. It's one of the most purple states in the union uh, when it comes to these uh, the presidential election. Very, very close in 2020. Uh, A slight, slight win for Donald Trump there, but a very close state. But we do see now uh, polling that's 
been coming out showing a lean toward Ted Budd there in North Carolina. That would be a huge one. And the last one I'm going to put in here, the lean category, we are is another move. This is the only one we're moving. Most of these moves are going from Democrat to Republican way. This is the only one we're moving the opposite way. And it's really just based on one single poll. I don't believe this is actually what's going on in Iowa, but we have moved Chuck Grassley in his seat here to a lean Republican because of one poll from a very highly respected pollster in Iowa who says there's a three-point lead for Chuck Grassley there. Man, if that's true, I will be stunned if he wins that race only by three. The governor in the state is up by, I think, 17 in the same poll. None of that makes any sense. I don't know what's going on there, but because of the reputation of the pollster and the fact that we can, we've got a category that has uh, lean and there's plenty of space there, we've moved it over to leaning Republican. That gives us seven there in the leaning category. So we add it all up on the Democratic side. What are our totals? We've got 47 Democrats right now if the leaners stay the way that they did before. On the Republican side, we go over here and we see which one is the one is, I think this is it. Yes, here we go. 49. If I turned it upside down, it would have been 46. So that would have been a, t- a terrible turn for the Republicans. Inside. Now you're saying, hey, this is, by the way, an improvement from the last time we talked about all of this. 49, 47, if you lock in the leaners, which is, there's question marks on those, but you lock in the leaners, 49 to 47. That leaves us the fewest toss-up states I think we've had since the beginning. We start with Arizona. Arizona has now become a pure toss-up state. This is uh, really, really tight right now. It has narrowed. The last poll, I believe, was uh, Kelly plus one over Blake Masters. And I will remind you that the Republicans, in a terrible, terrible mistake by Mitch McConnell, pulled out money from this race because they thought it was unwinnable. Well, now we see the race is basically tied. No word on whether they're coming back in with the money. Peter Thiel's dumping a bunch of money into this right now. Uh, Rick Scott is as well with his organization. Georgia is up next. Herschel Walker has, I think, survived this bout with uh, allegations about his past. Again, people like scandals. I don't know, you're gonna vote for Raphael Warnock if, if you're worried about abortion. I mean, that doesn't make any sense at all, but some people, you know, were worried about maybe a hypocrisy sort of allegation against Herschel Walker. By the way, we talked to Herschel Walker on the radio show today. Make sure to go back and check that interview out. But he had a very good debate. He seems to have survived these bumps, and now with a couple of weeks left, is in very good position, uh, but not quite enough to really say he's the leader yet. These polls are super, super close. We have that as a toss-up. Nevada, I almost moved Nevada. It was the one I was very close to moving. Adam Laxalt against uh, Cortez Masto. Democratic incumbent, though, a state that's purple but maybe leans a little blue, and you have a situation where... Laxalt is leading in the polls by a very, very small margin, maybe a point uh, on average. So this is a very close race, a pure toss-up. I feel like the momentum is going this way right now. I think Laxalt may very well win this race, but still, we've got a couple weeks to figure this out, to sort all this out. I'm not making predictions here as how this winds up. I'm just giving you a snapshot as to where we are right now. And we let end here, of course, in the toss-up category with Maybe the race we focused on the most nationally. This is Pennsylvania, John Fetterman versus Dr. Oz in one of the strangest races you'll ever see for the Senate. Now, that gives you a total of four toss-ups. And that is the state of the Senate right at this moment. 49 Republicans, 47 Democrats with four toss-ups. 
If you happen to be a mathematician, you may have already figured this out. But what you need to do if you want to take control of the Senate if, and you're the Republicans, you need to win two of these four. Two of these four. Arizona, Georgia, Nevada, Pennsylvania. If you can win two of those four, you take control of the Senate. Obviously, with senators like Mitt Romney and Susan Collins and maybe Lisa Murkowski, you'd really like to win all four of those and have a little bit of a cushion for some of these tight votes because you could lose a couple of those senators at any given moment. The other thing I would add on here is if you're on the Democratic side, you need to win three of these four uh, to take control because you only need 50 senators if you're the Republican or you're the Democrats because you have Kamala Harris to break the tie. So. It's not easy really for either side. You see how close this actually is. You look at these, if you wanna look at polling, all these races are basically tied right now. All these toss up races. All the leaners are generally speaking in their categories. You can make an argument about North Carolina, Ohio, Wisconsin, they're still relatively close, but these are all pretty clear leaners. Right now, the Senate comes down to these four states. Who can do it? Who can pull this off? It's going to be very, very close. But to review one more time, 49 for Republicans, 47 for Democrats, four toss-up races for the Republicans to take control of the Senate. They need to win two of those four races. We talked a little bit about life and... The issue of life as we are going through the election uh, predictions or uh, outlook here, I guess, as we are getting closer to the election, one out of five Americans will never have a chance to vote. They will never have that chance because they will be aborted before they're even born. That is just really disturbing when you think about it. That adds up to over 63 million people that should be alive right now and are not because of abortion. That's why Preborn exists. Preborn and Blaze Media are partnering to help rescue 50,000 babies from abortion in 2022 alone. They're working to put Planned Parenthood out of business, which would be fantastic. You show an ultrasound to a mom. You uh, provide that uh, to, to a mom. They hear the heartbeat. And 80% of the time, they say, I want to keep this baby. I, I, I don't, I don't want to go through with the abortion. If they do keep the child, uh, Preborn provides maternity and baby clothes, diapers, car seats, counseling, and much more free of charge. Think of how the great work this organization is doing. You can help them. Uh, they've been working for f over 15 years. They've been counseling over 450,000 women. They have stopped over 188,000 abortions. Will you help rescue babies' lives as well? To donate, you can pound, uh, dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. Pound 250, use the keyword baby or go to preborn.com slash stew. Preborn.com slash stew. You know, when I wake up in the morning and I start doing the prep for the shows, um, and I'm doing, going through my daily process of Nerdathon 2022, and I'm looking at charts and polls and all this nerdy stuff that I must do every day. Every once in a while I stop and I think to myself, what the hell's going on in New York? What, what is this? Let me give you a few examples of this. Now, we all know what's supposed to happen in New York, right? What's supposed to happen is in a, in a gubernatorial race in New York, I don't know, the, the governor's supposed to win by, the Democrat is supposed to win by like 20 points. I, you know, that's certainly what we've been taught to expect recently. But let me show you some of these polls. These are all from the last couple of weeks in New York. Kathy Hochul, 52. Lee Zeldin, 44, an eight-point lead. And you might say, okay, that's, that's closer than you might think it is. But you might think it might you know, turn out to be when you start this election. But that's still, that's still one-sided, right? Kind of. What about this one? Kathy Hochul, 50. 
Lee Zeldin, 44, a six-point lead. Okay, getting a little closer. Then you have the Trafalgar poll, Kathy Hochul, 45, Lee Zeldin, 43. Is this really a three-point race, a five-point race? Even an eight-point race, I think, would be very, very interesting. The tide seems to be turning in New York as well as around the country. I want to bring in somebody who knows the state really well, Doug Gowdy. He's back on the show. He's the host of WGY Mornings with Doug Gowdy, our radio affiliate in Albany. Um, Doug, how's it going? So good to be back with you, my friend. Greetings from Albany, New York. Yes, we appreciate you coming on. And I, I ask you the same question I keep asking myself. What the hell is going on in New York? Uh, there is something happening, and it's one word, Stu, Zelmentum. <laughs> Believe it or not, the state GOP put out a fundraising letter the other day and said, we got to keep this Zelmentum going. And everybody went, is Zelmentum a thing? Have you heard that? No one had heard it before, no. but now we're running with it. Zelmentum is real. Lee Zeldin, the Republican congressman, is running against Kathy Hochul, the Democrat governor, current governor, who hasn't been elected before. She took over for Cuomo, you remember. That six-point poll you mentioned, Stu, that was 24 points six weeks ago. Now it's down to six. And as you well know, in the bluest of blue states like here in New York, if the Republicans down six, they're in the catbird seat because Republicans historically under poll big time here in New York. That poll has a margin of error of five. He's down six. Translation, he's probably up two or three. Republicans are feeling like they're in a very good spot right now. And this is incredible because it, it, this is not even one that honestly I had on my serious radar. You know, Andrew Cuomo had all these problems. As we know, Andrew Cuomo was awful.com. And, you know, he, he leaves. Now, if he had stayed in office, he was in, under, in turmoil, maybe you could see a, a, an argument that a Republican could step up. But when Hochul's there, you feel like there's going to be some sort of honeymoon period, maybe. That doesn't seem to be the case. Is this a story where people in New York are looking at Hochul as uniquely terrible as a Democrat? Is it just the mood of the country? Is it that Zeldin is really good? It's not uniquely terrible, Stu. Her nickname here is Cuomo 2.0. Because what is surprising is when she got sworn in, she said, oh, we're going to have a new culture here in Albany. But all of a sudden, there's been no transparency. There's been emergency. Do you know we're currently under a state of emergency in New York? It's for polio. Everybody's like, what? But this gives her authority and power that she wouldn't otherwise have. We just got out of a monkeypox one. Again, state of emergency, but she's doing what Cuomo used to do, was she's grabbing for power. And all of it leads to a massive crime problem here in New York. It's the number one issue that gets pulled over and over again. And she, although she called a special session of the legislature with the Supreme Court ruled that New Yorkers have the right to carry guns, and then she took all of that away, she won't call a special session to deal with crime. It's so bad, and it's gotten so bad in New York City that in that six-point poll that you referenced, Zeldin is pulling 37% of the vote in New York City. If Republicans can get 30%, they win. He's at 37%. So today, she put out this Candyland alternate universe ad about crime and what she's done to fix it. 
It looks like an onion ad. It's such a spoof because none of what she has in there has actually happened. What has happened is people are getting pushed in front of subway cars each and every day and getting either injured or killed. And she hasn't dealt with it in any way because she thought she could play prevent defense. Now she's finding out otherwise with two weeks to go. That's really incredible. And I, I think one of the things that's making we saw polling very close in Connecticut in the Senate and gubernatorial level as well recently. And I think one of the things that's making these blue states competitive is the races that are the issues that are on the top of people's minds are issues you can't spin your way out of. You can't spin your way out of inflation. You can't spin your way out of the economy. You can't spin your way out of crime. People feel that. They feel scared to go out on the streets. They feel, feel scared to, to, do, to live their lives in the way that they normally would. And that, that, that crosses the line of partisanship. People want to punish the party in power when they're being affected by those specific things. Yeah, Lee Zeldin has said over and over again, look, if this is what she's going to do in one year, imagine if she gets four years, what's New York going to look like? We have this thing here called New York Flight, which I know you're very familiar with. Mm. People in New York are leaving the state more than any other state in the union, mostly they're going to Florida, obviously. One reason would be taxes, which is always a thing in a blue state like New York. But the other reason is crime. This week we had not one, not two, but three restaurants within a five mile area from where I sit that have said they're closing at the end of the month, not because business isn't good, not because they can't get staff, but because they don't feel safe and they can't protect their staff. It's gotten that crazy and people are starting to realize at this late stage. Listen, Stu, just the other day, she had a thing on, a big presser on, we're putting money towards police so they can protect people whose cars are getting stolen, the catalytic converters are getting ripped off. Yeah. The next day, the largest ice cream truck company in our area had all their catalytic converters stolen after she said we're on the case. The optics of it were horrific, and this keeps happening over and over and over again. And now that we're getting close, I think people are really starting to take a look at this and say, we can't do this for four more years. Hmm. Uh, tell us a little bit about Lee Zeldin as a challenger. Is, he, is it just that he's a good candidate? Does he have the right message? For people who don't know anything about him, how would you describe him? So he's a congressman from Long Island. Uh, for those that the reason why you might know him is it's great when he announced that he was running out of nowhere, he gets diagnosed with leukemia. So he gets that right off the bat. About six months later, he's doing a uh, stump speech up in Rochester in the western part of the state. A guy walks up, walks up on the stage with this what they're calling a cutting instrument and kind of takes a swing at him. Yeah. In other words, he gets attacked. And then just recently, his daughters on a random Sunday afternoon on Long Island are doing their homework in the kitchen. They hear gunshots and two guys who have gotten shot start hiding in the bushes of their house just randomly. It was a gang thing over and over and over again. The things that Lee Zeldin has been talking about have been happening to him in particular, but to a lot of New Yorkers. And so Yes, he's a good candidate. He's served in the military. He served in Congress. Uh, you know, he's a Republican in a blue state that thinks that maybe the Supreme Court had it right and we ought to be able to protect ourselves by having a concealed carry. Maybe we shouldn't have to get a COVID vaccine for our kids as we go back to school, which we know is coming. Maybe we shouldn't be under a state of emergency right now for polio. And nobody's worried about polio in any way. All of it leads to she, he's not her and he's not him, her predecessor, Cuomo. Cuomo has hurt her a lot. The Cuomo 2.0 thing. She's got a, uh, 
a sort of a pay to play scandal that we can't get info on. But we paid more than double for these COVID tests in December that the next highest paying state was, which is California. And the reason is we used a middleman. The middleman just happened to be a company that's donated over $300,000 to her campaign. Wow. And people are going, we need answers. And she's saying, don't worry about it. It's good. We got you the test. And that's all you need to know about. And people aren't buying that. Mm. So what a real coincidence. So what a shocking coincidence. Mm. Just happened to be a supporter. Uh, and originally she said, I didn't even know that. Then she said, I stand by everything we did. And everybody said, how? We paid $12 for a test. California paid $5 for a test and they were overpaying. And you're saying you would do it again? What kind of leadership is that? It makes no sense. No, it doesn't. Uh, you mentioned uh, Andrew Cuomo, uh, who apparently has got a new podcast coming out, um, which is it was remarkable. I, I, I was reading the press on it and it says that uh, the first two episodes are going to be free and the rest are going to be behind the paywall as if there's some audience who wants to Good pay to actually <laughs> listen to Andrew Cuomo. Uh, what do you make of this whole his second new career? So, first of all, the podcast is called And the Facts Are. I might postulate that it should be And the Facts Are question mark, because this is a guy that's never known him, right? right? He said in his release of this one, he wants to have honest conversations. This is a guy, Stu, who had an intern in the governor's office personally sign Cuomo's name to the state-mandated sexual harassment training seminar that everybody else had to take, but he was too busy. So he had her fudge his name on there. And then he went on TV and said, of course I took it, my name's on it. She finally came out and said, no, I took it for him because he's very busy. And people wonder why that is on your mug, Stu. I mean, it's so preposterous. <laughs> and then, so the first honest conversation he wants to have is with Anthony Scaramucci, because what I'm looking for the truth. That's the guy that I'm going to. Right? Like, that's the man that I want to talk. That's like going to Biden for how to be a linguist. Like, no, not really. Uh, Scaramucci might need to run for uh, for office in that state. I could I could see that happening, honestly, at this point. Um, if Hopeful wins, we're all going to be running down to where you are, Stu. <laughs> You're, you guys are shipping people up to Texas, up to New York from Texas. We're coming back on the return trip if she gets in, believe me. We, we, we will or we will negotiate this right now. We will send a bus of illegal immigrants up for you, Doug. Just, just in exchange, you hop on the bus once they get off and come back down to Texas. It's, it's wonderful down here. You'd love it. Any future draft picks involved? I feel like Texas should get more than just me. <laughs> oh, we'll take a player to be named later, later as well. Hey, <laughs> last one before you go, Doug. Broaden this to the national perspective for a minute. How are you seeing this? What do you think the vibe of the election is? What do you think is going to happen in the Senate? What, what races interest you the most? So the vibe is this, and it's similar here in New York. We were talking about this today. Like you look at both campaigns and you say, Where's the Democrat that says, here's why I'm enthused. Here's why I've got to get to the polls. Here's why I want to make sure my neighbor votes. They're nowhere to be found. Republicans, on the other hand, are saying, I got to protect what I have. I got to fight like heck to try and keep my gas prices down and to get the goods I want at the store. And I want some of my freedoms protected. So Republicans are like, we got to do this thing. I think that's going on nationally, too, don't you? Like Biden and Hochul both have taken this pivot where they'd have you believe they're pro-police all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. Gee, welcome to the party three weeks before the election. <laughs> where were you last year when Rome was burning, though, right? And now Biden's trying to tell you, with his ice cream in hand, the economy's strong as hell. 
how much did he pay for that cone versus what it would have cost two years ago? Because I can guarantee it's about $5 more, and nobody's affording that second scoop or that customized waffle cone that he's got. They're, they're selling stuff that nobody's buying because we're all living with the pain, Stu. And there's only so much pain we want to take. I saw the poll today that the Senate's going to be at minimum 53-47 Republican. Wow. Don't you think that, too? Yeah, we just we kind of just ran through this. And, like, I look at it as you got 49 that are pretty darn solid now for Republicans. I've got about four races in that toss-up category that I think are very winnable. I mean, races that show the polling is really, really tight. It could happen. I mean, I honestly... I was, uh, I, I'm getting much more, more optimistic, which makes me feel uncomfortable, uh, to be frank. In New York, we had a number of, redi- the redistricting thing's a whole nother thing yeah. here in the uh, state. But at the beginning of the election cycle, we thought, well, we might get one or, you know, somehow the stars align, maybe two people on the good side that could win congressional seats. There's four that are really too close to call right now. And again, too close to call in New York means leans red. That's just a fact. Mm. If we had four congressmen on top of Stefanik in Congress that are Republicans, you got a major red wave coming. Yeah. And uh, it's certainly, again, Stu, Zelmentum. Zelmentum. There it is. And we're dealing with all the Zelmentum. I want to get back with you in, maybe in a week or so and we can go back through some of these New York uh, congressional races because I know there's some real surprises there and some big names could be taken out in New York. It should be really interesting. Doug Gowdy, he's the host of WGY Mornings with Doug Gowdy. Doug, thanks so much for coming on the program, man. I appreciate it. Always a pleasure, Stu. Big news today in the loan debt forgiveness program for students. Uh, actually, the Supreme Court rejected a request to block it, which a lot of people made a lot of news about. And if you saw the story pretty much anywhere, you saw Amy Coney Barrett's picture on there. Now, when you read into it and you see what actually happened, this is a bump in the road. Basically, they're saying there's no standing uh, for this case. There are still ton- they, and this wasn't even the result of the case. It was just a, will they get an emergency blockade of this program from launching? Somebody's got to nail one of these things. I got to be honest with you, because once they forgive all this debt, it's never coming back. So what Biden's going to try to do is slam this debt program uh, through, give these people all of this relief, and then hope the courts, even if they overturn it, don't reverse the payments in some way. That's likely what he's going to try to do. He knows this isn't constitutional. I mean, anybody who looks at it knows that. It's a question of whether you can get standing for the lawsuit to overturn it. We will see. It's uh, it's not automatic, I will say, but it should happen. I think it will happen still. We will see. Uh, National poll, Biden's newest low. Yes, we've got another Biden's newest low. He's at 39% approval. This is from an Emerson poll, down 6% from just last month. Now, you're thinking, okay, well, he'd been in the low 40s. I mean, this is a guy who celebrates the low 40s. So this is not exactly a guy who's used to high approval ratings, but you want to stay out of the 30s, if at all possible. When presidents are in the 30s, they don't win midterm elections, typically. And if that you know, sounds like, well, maybe that's just one poll. It's at 39 percent. No big deal. Well, the new Pew poll also came out and that has Joe Biden at 38 percent approval. Now, this is about where Donald Trump was in 2000. I guess it would be 18. But that was a wave election for Democrats. So that's not, a, that's not an argument you want to be pushing forward if you happen to be on the left. And again, I mentioned this with Doug. 
this is just one of these things you can't spin your way out of. There's no Corinne Jean-Pierre that can occur to make people forget about how everything costs more, or they don't have a job, or their job is not as good as it used to be, or that uh, you know your, their cousin just got murdered in the streets. No, <laughs> this is not, not what people normally forget. And they will not forget things like this. Inflation on ca- candyflation. Candyflation is happening right now. Here are the changes in Halloween candy prices. Snickers up 14%, Reese's up 13%, Twix up 13%, Kit Kat up 13%. In just the last year, Nestle Crunch only up 6%, probably because it's not as good as Reese's. Uh, Sour Patch Kids up 12%, M&M's up 14%, Butterfinger up 7%. Look at these two, though. Skittles and Starburst up 42 and 35%. What the hell is going on with Skittles and Starburst? I think it's all that really natural fruit they're using, and that's what's causing those prices to go up. That's just just a theory. Not only have Skittles prices gone up, but home prices have gone up as well. And this is a little bit more important. Unless you're like me and eat a lot of Skittles, it's not going to cost as much as your home. It's important to understand that you need the best real estate agent possible to make sure your transaction goes the best way possible. And you can find that person at realestateagentsitrust.com. Now, Glenn also eats a lot of Skittles, often for breakfast, in bowls of milk like it's a cereal. I'm like, Glenn, that's not, that's, those are Skittles. That's not a cereal. You don't put Starburst on top. It's not a topping. But, you know, certainly not a salad topping, Glenn. What are you doing? But... With all these prices going up, you've got to make sure you save money in other places. And, you know, hey, saving thousands of dollars off the price of a home or getting a home that doesn't fall apart the second you move into it or getting a home that's in a good area, these are all really important things. Realestateagentsitrust.com is a place to go to find the best agent in your area, whether you're buying a home or selling a home. Make the transaction the ultimate transaction with realestateagentsitrust.com. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. Uncomfortable question we ask here on this program. I'm just being honest here. Is CNN starting to suck less? I know it's weird for a conservative to comment on such things, but we're looking at this sort of rehab project that CNN is going through. And look, we're never going to love everything that CNN does. But if occasionally they would throw us a bone, a crumb of good coverage, I'd be thrilled. Let me give you a couple more examples. We gave you early, some earlier this week. Here's a couple more. Uh, student loan forgiveness was dangled in front of us. How 700,000 borrowers were cut out of Biden's plan. Has anybody else covered that? Now, I should be honest here. These 700,000 people did not deserve to get their loans forgiven. It was unconstitutional. But because of the legal challenges, Biden just changed the rules on the fly to avoid the lawsuits. 700,000 people got screwed. I haven't heard word one from any national news organization about these people until we heard from CNN. They're pissed off about it. Very interesting. How about Chris Saliza? Now, he's a commentator on CNN. He has a new story out. Republicans' chances of winning the Senate are improving. Talks about Pennsylvania, how that's tightened. Arizona has tightened. Uh, the Warnock race is tight. Adam Laxalt in Nevada seems to be leading slightly. Uh, Mandela Barnes is, I think, toast. Herschel Walker is keeping this tight. He says the point with a 50-50 Senate, every race is the majority maker or breaker. But with 19 le- days left before the election, the trend line is moving in the right direction for Republicans. What the hell is going on?
it's really important that you get out there and vote. And if one of your liberal friends says, hey, I guess that means I should get out and vote, too, you should say no. Not, not for you. For you, you should learn, then vote. Learn, then vote. The order is important. You need to learn things before you start pressing all the fancy buttons in the polls. LearnThenVote.com is the place you can get these. This is a great one to wear to the polls. Let everyone understand. Maybe they should walk away before they cast their vote. Learn, then vote. The order is important. It's at LearnThenVote.com. We'll see you Monday.